0: for listening to our podcast recorded live at Gateway Church Ashford. You can find out more about us on our website, gatewaychurchashford.co.uk. A couple of health warnings before I get going. Um, we're going to dart around physically because I'm really conscious of being in the middle of what you're looking at. Um, and we're going to dart around the subject a little bit. We're going to look at the Bible. We're going to look, look a little bit at, at psychology and some science of what goes on in your, in your brain and your mind and all that sort of stuff. And um, hopefully there's going to be a little bit of fun involved as well. Would you mind just putting up the, the first one for us? Um, and uh, second little health warning, I might get a little bit emotional um, I, and and I'm not I'm not joking. You you know I am kind of quite a jokey sort of person, and I, I like to take that Mick out myself and make light of things. Um, there's two things I cry at. One of them is a TV show called The Secret Millionaire. Where people give their money away. No, it's that's not the bit that makes me cry. They they yeah. <laughs> they get these really wealthy people to go and live in very poor communities and like live off five quid for the week and. Find know what's going on, and then at the end of it, they give their money away. It's a real tearjerker. Um, uh, but, the, but the other thing that does make me cry is when I reflect on what God has done in my life and, and all the lives of the other people here. So I'm doing my best not to, but I, I have got a hanky. Right, don't be anxious. Let's just kind of focus on that very short little sentence for a minute or two. Don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. And We can all go and have coffee now. But I want you to think about what voice are you hearing that particular phrase, those words. What voice are you hearing? Is it a sort of a legalistic Old Testament, Ten Commandments, wagging finger, don't be anxious? Or is it a sort of condescending, the way that Jesus would speak to the Pharisees, you brood of vipers, or his own disciples, ye of little faith? Is that kind of how it's coming across to you? Don't be anxious, for goodness sake. Or is it more of a caring, loving father? Just going, hey, don't worry. It's okay, we've got this. I've got this. Don't worry. Don't be anxious. Let's move along and look at these actual couple of verses of Scripture. This is Jesus speaking. If you've got a Bible with Jesus' words in red, Matthew 6 is very red. Lots of Jesus talking about a lot of different subjects. And we're only looking at just these couple of verses. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? For some of you, probably just that question, are you not of more value than they, might be the only thing you need to hear this evening. God is on your side. He has got your back. I really just want to draw out kind of two comments from this. First of all, Jesus obviously recognised that we could be anxious. Otherwise, he wouldn't have said, don't be anxious. And the second thing is obviously possible to not be anxious. Otherwise, he wouldn't have said, don't be anxious. I genuinely believe that it is possible to walk free of anxiety and worry and doubt and what have you and, and fear. Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't have said this. So let's have a look at what um, anxiety is. Uh, this is from a, a charity that, that help people manage anxiety. You can see the, the web address there if you want to look at it more. Um, I don't kind of follow everything. If you look at the last sentence, Some of us are closer to caveman than others, but um, this is not not a a biblical Christian-based organisation, but it's a pretty good definition of what we're talking about. Um, And again, a couple of things to say. Anxiety is a normal, if unpleasant, part of life. So if you are sitting here feeling very anxious, very worried, doubtful, full of fear, it's okay. It is, it is a normal, if unpleasant, part of life. It's different to stress, but we also read up there. So stress is essentially external factors, the best definition I've heard, that, that we can't control. So it might be your diary at work, or customers, or the boss's expectations, or unexpected bills, But essentially, when we talk about stress, we're talking about short-term external factors that impact on you, that that make you feel stressed. But that kind of comes and goes. Anxiety is a, a bigger deal. Second paragraph, anxiety can make a person imagine that things in their life are worse than they really are and prevent them from confronting their fears. This is a big deal. I don't want to belittle it. I will cover that bit now. Um, I mentioned that we're going to talk a little bit about psychology. We're going to talk a little bit about how the brain works and and how we think and behave. And I'm sure that you're aware that science and religion are often set up as being at odds with each other. This is very common in the society that we live in at the moment. It's nonsense, in, in my humble opinion. Science and religion are not at odds with each other. There's no reason for them to be. Yes, it's a popular thing, and you know, it makes TV programs and column inches. Um, and, and you know, isn't it great to set people up to argue with each other on the Today program, on the radio, whatever? But, but it's nonsense. Psychology is essentially a scientific study of the mind and behavior, which means we're studying ourselves. And we're God's creation, aren't we? So if you're struggling at all, just think that you're studying God's creation. Space exploration is studying God's creation, isn't it? I know that, you know, we, as, as human beings, we want to claim victory for all these incredible discoveries that we're making. And I guess God's just chuckling to himself. Okay, well, yeah, okay. you have some fun. You have some fun here. Yeah. Yeah. If you believe that God made us to function a certain way, and he knows the best way for us to function, scripture is kind of like a a human being manual, yeah, this is how to live. And I don't think we have to have any conflict with science at all. Um, Right, all of that said, let's have a little look, let's have a little biblical perspective. Um, Because this is the kind of thing the Bible says. God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power, of love, and of self control. And self control includes how you think, not just how you behave. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. I'll let you just take in the other couple of scriptures that are up there because it's this philippians one that i really wanted to just pause on And say notice that it doesn't say all of your prayers will be answered it doesn't say bring all of your requests before god supplication thanksgiving etc etc and everything will be fine in the garden it says that the peace of god will guard your hearts and your minds can we move on again I'm sort of taking a little bit poetic license with some of these scriptures, but I just want to really nail the point. The Bible is full of God saying, fear not. And not just God. Moses essentially quotes God in Exodus 14 and 20 when he speaks to the people. He's essentially saying what God has already said to him, fear not. Now, I think it's okay. You know, if you you were the shepherds when uh, Jesus had been born and the angel appeared probably be a little bit scared, and the angel would say, fear not. So, you know, I'm not bashing any of these great Bible characters, but I just want to really nail the point that the message of the Bible is, fear not, God has overcome. These, you Just read Deuteronomy, Jeremiah, this is all the... Um, Be strong and courageous, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Just in case you didn't get it, the next chapter is, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. I'm so glad Pete and Fran are here this evening because you did a great preach a few weeks ago, didn't you? Talking about kind of scriptures, talking to yourself, finding these kind of scriptures, repeating them over and over and over again. I really don't mind plagiarising other people's messages, um, which leads us nicely on to this quote from uh, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. Pete Turnbull shared this a few weeks ago. Doubt comes when you listen to yourself rather than speak to yourself. There are myriad voices, aren't there, telling us how to think, what to believe, and it might be friends, family, work colleagues, social media, TV, TV, Maybe some friends who are saved, friends who are not saved. You know, you're know, you getting all of these different messages being being pushed at you all of the time. Um, and simply, we must guard how we talk to ourselves. We must guard the kind of messages that, that, that we're putting into ourselves. So the more positivity that you put in, the easier it is to deal with negativity that comes along. Um, right, let's, let's do some recommended reading. I am a reader, this is a weighty tome, I appreciate not everybody is going to want to go through this kind of stuff, but if you do, I recommend it, actually, in the wonderful age of technology that we live in, you can get um, really nice summaries of these kind of things, audio versions, um, uh, courses to go through in small groups, you know, there's all kind of manner of stuff, so if you're not a reader, you can still access this kind of stuff. I guess a lot of you have read Seven Habits, Stephen Covey, a few nods. I realized this morning that he's sold another 15 million copies since I bought this one. This says 10 million, and that one says 25 million. (laughs) So uh, it's clearly, he's doing something. Come back to that one in a minute. Who knows Michael Heppel? Thank you. The previous two meetings, nobody. Wow. Jason. Isn't he brilliant? Yeah. Love the guy. So, buy his books. I'm not on commission. Follow him. Google him. Whatever. The guy's brilliant. Hence the book. How to be brilliant. I'm just going to read a couple of little bits about how we talk to ourselves. Positive thinking. Um, But little funny story. Uh, In the lead up to him writing this book, um, he noticed that when people said to him, how are you, the stock response would be not bad. Anyone else do that? I'm I'm quite bad for this kind of stuff. Someone goes, how's your weep been? I'm like, oh, really bad, really tiring, really really so busy. Um, But he noticed that it was this, he was always saying, not bad, not bad. So he challenged himself to answer that question with simply the word brilliant. For 30 days, anybody asked him, how are you? He responded, brilliant. Which you can imagine, got a few funny looks at the supermarket checkout or what have you. Um, But he persevered. Not for the effect it had on anyone else, but the effect that it had on him and what it put into him. So here's just a few little fun ideas, okay? Instead of saying negative things to ourselves, we say more positive things. So instead of I'm tired, I could do with more energy. Instead of I'm bored, no show of hands, thank you. Instead of I'm bored, well, this could be more interesting. Uh, The weather is awful. The weather could be better. I'm scared, or I could be more confident. He's a liar, or he could be more truthful. I'm broke, I could use a bit more money. So It's quite easy, isn't it, to, to just kind of flip things around, and instead of saying something negative that, that, that potentially reinforces a negative feeling, turn it around, say something more positive. Um, And this is how Stephen Covey starts. Um, You don't even need to read the actual seven habits that he talks about. In his introduction, he talks about shifting paradigm. So what is a paradigm? Um, It comes from a a Greek word, um, originally a scientific term, but essentially the common use today means a model or a theory or a perception or an assumption or basically a way that we see things. So... Think about um, a map. You know that a map is not the territory. It's a map of the territory. And you can get a road map or you can get a, a terrain map or what, you know, an ordnance survey map or whatever. Um, so think of a, a paradigm as the way that you see the world. Um, can we move on to the next one? Um, and uh, Stephen Covey introduces us to this guy. Anybody know this guy? Victor Frankl. Austrian neurologist and psychiatrist and a Holocaust survivor. He was sent to Auschwitz in October 1944. His wife was held uh, in the same facility as Anne Frank. uh, And all of his family, bar him and his sister, the whole family, were murdered by the Nazis. He was already a neurologist and psychiatrist before he was interned uh, in Auschwitz. But during that time, he obviously had the opportunity, the time, to work on... Some of the things he'd already been working on, um, and and convinced himself and some of the other prisoners that life has meaning, and that if they ever were to leave, there is there is life outside of this place, and life has meaning, and therefore even the suffering that they are experiencing must have some meaning. Now it takes a lot to go there, and we haven't got time <laughs> today. Um, but but one of the key it, one of his key theses, if you like, is this is, what, this is the difference between us and animals. I don't know how many of you know that you're not like animals. We're not at the top of the food chain by accident or by evolution. God made us that way. You know that? We, we are the apple of his eye. We are the pinnacle of God's creation. And this differentiates us from animals. In between stimulus and response, we have a choice. Uh, any, er, everyone come across the uh, Pavlov's experiment with dogs, you know about Pavlov's dog stuff. Um, essentially, he realised that um, dogs uh, in his in his laboratory uh, would start to salivate simply at hearing the assistant walk in, because they associated it with being fed. So even though that often there was no food, the the stimulus of of hearing the assistant come in cause them to salivate. That's why you can train an animal to do pretty much anything. But human beings, we have this ability to choose. We can choose our behavior, we can choose how we think. That'll do for him. Let's let's have a bit of fun now. Let's have a paradigm shift of our own. Who are these people? Roger Bannister, and he's famous because... Yeah, he broke the four-minute mile. How long did his record stand for? 46 days. So prior to him doing it, it was believed to be impossible. He did it, and he only held the record for 46 days before lots of other people did it. What about this other chap? Prizes, obviously not for people that were here this morning. (laughs) You can't remember. Oh, dear. This gentleman here is Cliff Young, an Australian potato farmer, who at the age of 61 broke the, the, the then record for running an ultramarathon. He ran 544 miles and smashed 10 hours off the previous record. And if I tell you that he ran in his overalls and his boots that he normally wore around the farm, he ran this distance, 544 miles, in five days, 15 hours, and four minutes at an average pace of four miles an hour. Now if anybody's a runner in the room and good at maths, you realise there's something not quite right here. Nobody had told Cliff Young that you were supposed to sleep so all of the other competitors were doing a day of running, six hours sleeping, another day of running, six hours sleeping. He ran non-stop for five days, 15 hours and four minutes and smashed 10 hours off the previous record. And this is now what people do, apparently. In ultramarathons, they just run. So that's just a silly little bit of paradigm shifting. Can we move on? He's a clever guy who said some clever things. Whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Now, look, this isn't the power of positive thinking. I'm not about to get called up to the England football team. That, that period has passed. Actually, that, I never had that period in my life. <laughs> but just to be clear, that has passed. That ain't going to happen. So I'm not saying if you can see it, you can believe it, you can have it. That's not what I'm talking about at all. But if we put the right messages in... Yeah? we're helping ourselves. We're helping our brain. We're helping our mind respond to the stimulus. We have that choice: respond in an appropriate way. Um, let's have a look at the brain, please, David. I've talked a little bit about reframing. I talked about Michael Heppel and Stephen Covey and what have you. Essentially, the process of, tr- of making yourself look at something a different way. So I don't know if you ever do. You ever have those kind of what ifs? What if this paycheck doesn't last to the end of the month what if my child doesn't get in the school I really want them to get into and you go off into this whole spiral of what if well, quite simply to kind of turn that around well what if not <laughs> what if this paycheck does last long enough what if what if I get an unexpected gift or amount of something tax rebate that sees me through. What if my child does get this school? Um, that, that's what I mean by reframing. L- looking at something and trying to see it in a different way. It Actually, it literally, the physiology of your brain changes. There are new, new neural pathways are created when you do that. Um, I just thought this was interesting, the mirror neurons thing. This is what gives us empathy. So I guess some of, some of us have got a few more than others. Um, if you see somebody stub their toe and you flinch, that's, that's mirror neurons. Because clearly you, you didn't stub your toe, it hasn't hurt you. But you see that in somebody else. Um, would anybody like to tickle themselves? Anybody fancy just to help? Come on, help me out here. Help me out. No. Well, it, basically, it's impossible. Because your brain knows it's you doing the tickling. So you could do exactly the same thing that someone else does to you and it doesn't tickle. And well, then they do it, it does. Brain is very clever. However, over on the right-hand side, your brain lies to you. Do you know this? There are one or two nods around the room, which is good, because it means I'm not talking garbage. Um, help me out again, Sue. How do we pronounce this? Occipital. Occipital lobe. Thank you. It joins the dots in things that you're not actually seeing, because you're, you're seeing so much, and you're taking in through through... Hearing through smell, all of your senses are taking so much stuff, your brain can't actually cope with all, so it ignores some of it, and it kind of makes it up. So what you think you see, maybe you didn't really see. That might be why sometimes you get into an argument with your spouse. That happened. No, you're both right. Uh, Equally, this your your memory doesn't record stuff like video playback, because it misses bits out and it makes it up based on previous experience and generalisation. So again, your memory of stuff might not not actually be quite right. So your brain is really, really clever, but limited to a degree, Um, and and you have the ability to kind of retrain the way that you think. Uh, And I guess I'm just saying, just, just be aware that maybe some of the the things that you see in your life that you perceive to be very negative and very bad, actually maybe you could view it a different way. Um, Next one. This is a bit of fun. Again, people that were here this morning, keep quiet. Do not include the F in the title. Shout out. How many Fs? Yeah? Okay, we've got some threes. Want to put your hands up? Come on, be really committed to three. Any more than three? We've got a six. Ooh. <laughs> six is the right answer. The word of. Yeah. Why didn't you see it? Because the sound it makes is of. It's just unnecessary information. Your brain doesn't need to see those F's because it's kind of superfluous. It doesn't matter. Your brain is trying to do all these other things, trying to keep you alive, trying to make you remember your wife's birthday. <laughs> so it doesn't need to see that. It doesn't see it. Okay. Um, can we move on again? I really do want to make sure we leave enough time for ministry this evening because I've spoke a bit too long in the previous two. So, yeah. You're all good. Um, Okay, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I think I've kind of done that to death. I just want to talk about these couple of um, Old Testament little stories to give us some encouragement. Numbers 13. uh, This is the story of the Israelites spying out the Promised Land. Um, And the chapter starts with, The Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. I think there's a clue. I mean, I know it's it's easy with the benefit of hindsight and the benefit of history. We can look back and criticize the Israelites. But there was a bit of a clue here when God said, I'm giving you this land. But the 12 of them went and had a look. And 10 of them went, there's some giants. There's some giants there and our army's not big enough for their army yes it is a really nice land but I think we'll pass this is not the day that we want to die at the hands of these, these giants but two of them saw it differently and, and I would just encourage you this evening to be those different two if you're in the ten don't beat yourself up because they're in the majority Yeah, the majority went nice land too many giants too much danger too much fear so hey That's just how we operate as human beings. But two of them said, the land which we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Be those two, don't be the ten. And the other one I've just put up because I really like it. Now, I'm just going to... preempt you, prompt you a little bit, because this morning's crowd a little bit disappointing. When I get to the end of this, I want a really big kind of Yeah. <laughs> Is that okay? Is that okay? So Jonathan says to his armor bearer, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, but nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. And his armor bearer said to him, do all that is in your heart, do as you wish. Behold, I am with you, heart and soul. Yeah, yeah. come on. <laughs> Should we go and take the land now? Should we go? <laughs> Be like these people, okay? That's all the message of that slide. Right, let's go back to a bit more fun. Let's sort actually. The next slide's fun. This one's serious. Uh, Matthew 6. You, you can't look at Matthew 6 without talking about money, possessions, materialism, stuff, self-image. Matthew 6 was basically written for us in 2019 in the southeast of England. I don't know if you realize that. Giving to the needy. The Lord's Prayer. Fasting. Lay up treasures in heaven, not on earth, where... Moth and rust will destroy. What shall we eat, drink and wear? Which is the passage we've been looking at. Your heavenly Father knows that you need all of this stuff. Seek first the kingdom of God and it will all be added to you. When I was a teenager, I used to have a a picture on my bedroom wall of a Porsche with this verse on it. Seek first the kingdom of God (laughs) and all these things will be added to you. Um, My parents had a good sense of humour and still do. Seriously, this is a big challenge for us in in the west, in the southeast of England. Um, We're doing okay. We've all got our own stories about budgets are tight, kids are eating us out of house and home, cars broken down. But really, we're doing okay. And when you look at people that are struggling, people who've really got nothing, they seem to be much better at trusting God for provision. Yeah? Yeah? Uh, Have you noticed the more stuff you've got, the more you want? You start to look at somebody else's car, house, holiday. Essentially, advertising is essentially about making you spend money you haven't got on stuff you don't need. You know that, right? Now, I'm not saying that you need to sell everything, go and live like a monk. But I think there's an attitude of seeing what God's given to us and not always seeing what he hasn't given. (laughs) And not always, oh, yeah, but what about the university costs coming down the road. God has got all of this stuff taken care of. Um, right, so last penultimate slide, not last slide. Anybody want to have a stab at what we're looking at here? It's a graph? Yes. Scientist, <laughs> engineer over there. I'll just put you out of your misery. This is my working life. I'm in my 23rd year of work. This is my 22 years of of work. This is my own personal anxiety graph. This is my income for every tax year that I've worked. Because I'm a saddo, okay? You can take the mick out of me later, all right? But this is my own personal anxiety graph. Over here, life was really great, and then it got a lot better. Then it got really hard. Then it got a bit better again and then it got hard and then it got better and then it got hard. And basically God has spent the last two decades taking me on a journey of helping me trust him and learn how to not be anxious and learn how to not worry because sure as eggs is eggs, it'll you know, it'll go up and down probably for the rest of my life. But God's got it all taken care of. All right. So last one. I just want us to basically I just want to leave this up here and meditate on these verses. Um, Could the band come back up, please? We are just going to spend a little bit of time thinking about these verses and other things that I've been saying, and we're going to pray for one another. So if anything that I've said has resonated with you at all, and you would like somebody to pray with you, then you just need to pop your hand up while we're... While we're we're worshipping again, and somebody will come and pray with you. I'm I'm absolutely convinced, as I said at the start, that you can be free from anxiety. You can walk out of here not worried, not fearful, not doubting. God wants to really break through today. Um, Yeah, that's all. (laughs)